0: You are listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope you were encouraged by this today. For more information about our weekly services, or messy church, you can find us at haddingtonelamchurch.com. So Jeremiah was a prophet in Judah. He prophesied to the nation of Israel for 40 years. 40 years he prophesied to the nation. He spanned the reign of of five kings of Judah. He started with Josiah. The reformer Josiah is the one who even as a child heard the book of the law and led Israel into repentance. Then after him was Jehoahaz. And after him was Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin. And these names aren't easy to say. And lastly, Zedekiah. And so he prophesied over 40 years to these different kings. And Josiah, the reformer, tried to take Israel out of idolatry, and it kept continually falling into this pattern where it would do well, and it would seem to turn back to the Lord. And under Josiah, he started to destroy the different things and all the Baal worship and all the things. But then each time a new king would come in, they seemed to get worse and worse and keep leading Israel astray. He has one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. Many of you maybe are familiar with this. Uh, maybe many of you have it to heart. Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. And many people cling on to this verse and it's an encouraging verse. But I want to give you the context of what this was written in. This was written at a terrible time for Israel and Judah. And this is the context that this verse was written in. Israel and Judah were at one point under Saul and David. They were one kingdom and then it split. And then you had the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And they were divided kingdoms, but they continued to sin against God. And so God, in his mercy, would send prophets to them. And so a prophet, God would rise up a prophet, and he would go to the nation or go to the king, and he would warn them. And many prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah to the nation, but they refused to listen to what God had to say. And God had said, if you refuse to listen, if you refuse to repent and change your ways, that they would be taken captive and their cities and their temple would be destroyed. So God was like, you need to do what I say. And these men would come and prophesy to get the nation to come back to repentance, to come back to their Lord. But this is exactly what happened. They refused to listen, refused to change, refused to repent. And what a warning for us. What a warning for us. If we refuse to listen or refuse to repent, they were taken away captive and the temple would be destroyed. They had been carried off to Babylon, just like God said would happen. So imagine that. You're now taken captive. You're in a foreign land. You've seen your city burned with fire. You've seen many of your people, your countrymen, killed. And now here you are in a foreign land with no hope. And that's it. That's finished. This is probably their lowest point in history since they were slaves in Egypt. But God used Jeremiah to encourage the people with those words in chapter 29. The thought, the dream, or the idea of having hope in a future, while they were captives in Babylon, was impossible to believe. See, sometimes we have to look at the context. And I know that we, in in our day and age, we can just take a verse out of context. But we have to look at the context and he's saying to a people that are in captivity, to a people that have no hope, to a people who for many years, their children are now born in a foreign land and there's no hope of returning. They don't see any way that they're going to be able to go back to their homeland. And those words were written that God says. I know the plans that I have for you. Maybe the plans that the Babylonians have for you. Maybe the plans that you think in your heart, but I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. They already saw the calamity and God says to give you a future and a hope. They never thought that they would return home. But these are the words of the Lord to his people. Not only would he have them return, he would have them flourish. That there's going to be A future for you back in Israel. Against all hope or belief, God's words are true. They would indeed return one day. And I would say today, if you're facing anything that would seem like an impossibility, anything that you're facing that just seems impossible, oh, that's too hard, is anything too hard for the Lord? Our God is the God of the impossible. I want you to know that. He is the God of the impossible. It's almost like I heard somebody say one time you look at the word impossible and it's I with I'm possible. Like it's possible with God. Israel had the living God. They didn't just, and they worshiped all of these foreign gods. They had the living God who was their God, the king of all the earth, their personal God, the true shepherd but they refused to follow after him. Friends, we have the true and living God. King after king would ascend the throne and lead the people into idolatry. And again, one seemed worse than the previous one. And God sent many prophets to warn them for disaster or calamity if they didn't stop worshiping idols. Their very existence in the land was more than proof of God's provision and power among them. See, for them to even be there in the first place, God had already delivered them out of Egypt. And God had already got rid of all the enemies in the land. He demonstrated his power time and time again to them, that he was among them. And he loved them so dearly that he even sent prophets to warn them of impending danger. Jeremiah was referred to as the weeping prophet. And rightfully so. Have you ever read the book of Lamentations? I mean, it's a whole book about sorrow and calamity. It's really sad to read. See, his heart was broken for his people. He didn't have a a us and them mentality. He was part of his people. And his heart was broken for them. His heart was broken for his city that he loved. And his nation May our hearts be broken for our people. See, that's the thing. Sometimes I think our hearts aren't broken for the lost and the hurting. We're just trying to make through day to day. May our hearts be broken for this nation. I love Scotland. I've been here about a dozen years. I love Scotland. It's unique. I love it here. May our hearts be broken for the nation of Scotland, for the cities that are here. When he saw all that God was going to bring against his countrymen, it was more than he could bear. We need to have soft hearts. He was the weeping prophet because of what he saw. He did not want his people to go through this. And friends, we know, those of us who look at the prophetic books, you can see in Revelation what's going to be coming. Our hearts should be broken. We should have a haste to us in sharing our faith. We just need to look around at the world and see that it's completely broken. It's without God and without hope. We have hope within us. We should have a a, a word for what the hope is that we have within us to others. Here's a little more background. He was called as a prophet of God about 20 years of age. Even before then, God said this of Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Have you ever thought about that for a minute? That is absolutely fantastic. Even before God formed him, he knew him. He said, and I set you apart as a prophet to the nation, set apart for God's servant, service. But here's the thing. He was reluctant. He wasn't like, this is absolutely the best news. This is amazing. He was like, oh, no. He was reluctant he was in the priestly line of Levi. So he knew what the duties would be of a priest. He would know all the parameters. He would know what the, the uh, schedule looked like of what he had to do, the sacrifices, examining things. A prophet was a whole different thing entirely. The office of prophet was different than being a priest. A priest had a daily regimen and they'd receive an income, but a prophet. They didn't get an income. Prophets would never know the day, the week, the month, or year that God would speak to them. And it could be a long span in between. They also never knew what God might have them do. One prophet was told to marry a harlot. That was what God asked him to do. Ezekiel was told to lie on his left side for 390 days to bear the punishment for the house of Israel. And then he was told to lie on his right side for another 40 days to bear the punishment for Judah. Ezekiel was also instructed to cook his food over dung as a fuel source. I like barbecuing, but that is not the smoky flavor that you're after, right? So God would ask prophets to do some strange things. And so he was reluctant. That didn't sound like much fun. These could have been a few of the reasons that he was reluctant. The office of prophet was not a choice that anyone made for career day at school. They weren't like, I know, I'm gonna sign up for that. Quite different from the self-called prophets of today. We have many people who say they're prophets of God. They even say of themselves, I'm prophet so-and-so. Good to meet you. A word of caution. Just because someone calls himself a prophet doesn't make it so. Some may be prompted by the Holy Spirit to give a word of prophecy, which may be more like a word of wisdom, and that doesn't make them a prophet. Many have confused this today and seek after prophetic things. Open up your Bible. God's going to tell you what you need to know. If some prophet's telling you something that you don't know... Usually it's a confirmation of what God's already telling you. And I would just say, use discernment. And there's too much uh, list of prophecy this and prophecy that. Friends, his word tells us what we need to know. And I would just encourage you, don't do that. Don't fall for that. Sherry had a lady uh, a number of years ago that came to her, and we were having a night of prayer and this woman came and she emptied out all of these different pieces of paper. She may have shared this story with you. And this woman was just frantic. And she's like, she had gone over Glasgow prophetic and someone gave her this word and this word and this word, and she didn't know what to believe. And Sherry said, crumple them all up and throw them away. You need to just read your Bible and know what God wants you to do. So Warren Wearsby says this, a prophet was a chosen and authorized spokesman for God, who declared God's word to the people. Prophets did more than reveal the future, for their messages had present application to the life of the nation. They were foretellers, more than foretellers, exposing the sins of the people and calling them back to their covenant responsibilities before God. That's what the office of prophet did. And I would so far, and I don't mean any offense, but. Prophets today are more P-R-O-F-I-T than prophets of God because this was the office of what a prophet should do, calling the nation to repentance. Jeremiah's mouth was touched by the hand of God, giving him power and authority. He didn't wake up one day and decide to do this. God touched his mouth and gave him power and authority. God literally put his words into Jeremiah's mouth he was ordained by God to be a prophet to the nations. And it said, even before he was formed in the womb, God appointed him for this. Isaiah the prophet was touched with a coal from the altar, and it touched and cleansed his mouth, purifying his words and speech. The prophets had very specific callings and authority from God. This was not a profession anyone would choose, because here's how it worked. If you said you were a prophet and you went to the nation and talked on behalf of God and it did not come to pass, they took you outside the city and stoned you to death. So you better have chosen your words carefully, because if you were a false prophet, you were to be killed. Here's an example of what Jeremiah felt about being a prophet. And he says this in Jeremiah 20, verse seven. This is what he says. Oh, Lord, you have deceived me and I was deceived. You have overcome me and prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction. Because for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in reproach and derision all day long. But if I say I will not remember him or speak anymore in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary of holding it in and I cannot endure it. He was ridiculed. They would go and say these things and everyone laughed at him. And they had uh, the the anti-prophets. In those days, they called them soothsayers. So kings would surround themselves with people who would say, you know what, don't worry. The prophet of God would come and give the truth. Calamity's coming. If you don't repent, you're going to be taken into captivity. And the soothsayers, don't listen to them. It's going to be okay. We have too many people today just telling us everything's going to be okay. We need to know what God is saying. And then he says, if I tried not to say what you called me to say, God, it was fire shut up in my bones. He would go on to say that if he wouldn't speak the word of the Lord, he couldn't hold it in. He couldn't not say God's word. When God calls us to follow him, he isn't making a mistake. We think he's got the wrong address or the wrong person But we're exactly who he's looking for. And friends, I'll be honest with you today, I've thought this for years. I've been like, God, you got the wrong person. You got the wrong guy. I know many more people much better than me, much more qualified than me, better orators, better everything. He's not making a mistake. We're who he's looking for. Our refusal, Jeremiah initially refused, our refusal or hesitancy can be unbelief, disobedience, or fear. We think our shortcomings will prevent God from achieving his purposes because we're not perfect. None of us are. So we think our shortcomings. Remember, uh, God called Moses, and what did he say? I'm a stutterer. I can't can't speak too well. Everyone would always bring their excuse before God because none of us feel adequate We think our shortcomings will stop God from achieving his purposes, but that could be pride on our part. He will fulfill his purpose for me in my life. Psalm 138 says, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. When we yield our lives to him, he directs our steps. See, like I was saying as I was praying, we somehow get this idea that we're in charge of our lives. And friends, he's in charge. If we place him as the Lord of our life, he is the ruler on the throne of our heart, not us. He will direct our steps. And I had this thought that there may be other names that would be in the Bible, but they refused or they didn't obey, and we'll never know who they were. Because of of a Jeremiah, there might have been others that were called. And they just, no thanks. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Friends, we're vessels and tools in his hand to use us as he sees fit. And so that's maybe, it is opening our mouth at Tesco and telling someone. Maybe it's praying for someone. Using, or God using us as his tool to bring hope to someone, to bring encouragement. I got a text this week from a pastor friend. I've not seen him for probably about two years. Woke up and there's a text on my phone. It just says, just want you to know that you're greatly loved and we're praying for you. Friends, all of us in this room, that's a simple something that we can do to just encourage somebody all of us can do that. Maybe pray and say, God, who can, who, who can I encourage? And maybe it's someone that you've not even talked to in two years. Send them a text. Just say, you're greatly loved, and I'm praying for you. And it could be someone who's not a Christian. Just say, I'm praying for you. I just want you to know that. God doesn't save us, call us, or have us serve him because we've done anything to deserve it. We need to know that it's not about us. It's about him. Sometimes we walk with Christ for a while and we think, you know, we're doing well and sometimes we put out our our proverbial chest of pride because, you know, we're doing well. It's all about him. God pours his grace upon us from start to finish. It's all his doing. See, he said, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He does it all. We're his children. We're set apart by him and for him. Jeremiah spoke what God told him without fear to the people that God sent him to. He allowed God's word to do its work in the lives of his hearers. See, friends, we're to say what God tells us to say and leave it up to him. God also brought it to pass. See, in the prophet, you have Samuel. And it says not a single word that he ever spoke fell to the ground that did not achieve the purpose God brings his word to pass. God fulfills what he says. So God told Jeremiah three main things in the early parts of Jeremiah that he also would say to us. And this is what he said. Go where I send you. Who are we to tell God no? Go where I send you. We're commissioned to go and preach the word. It wasn't a suggestion. It was if you're not too busy, if you have time for it on a Saturday, No, you're commissioned to go, go and preach his word. The second thing he told him was, speak what I command you. We are to tell the world about Jesus. We don't have to use our own words. Tell him what he said. Jeremiah didn't make it up. He just said what God told him to say. And the third thing that we could take as as well from this, do not be afraid. He said, don't be afraid of the people. Don't be afraid of their resistance. Friends, he's given us the Holy Spirit with power. Why should we be afraid? Why are we so afraid? Why are Christians so afraid? We should not be afraid. As David said in the Psalms, what can man do to me? Paul would say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Why are we afraid? So he gave Jeremiah this promise. And he said, for I'm with you to deliver you. And he would say to us that he would never leave us or forsake us. See, God is a promise-keeping God. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, and I'll be just closing in just a moment. And he says, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Why are we afraid, friends? He has called us, but he's called us. Hearken to my voice, he says, for all that would listen, all that are far off, listen. He's called us. Then he's equipped us so he doesn't just say, you know, make it up or uh, I don't know what to tell you. He's equipped us. He's given us his word. He's given us the armor of God. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's equipped us. And he's even made the way open before us. He opens doors, friends, for us. He will be our protector and our defender as we trust him. We are called to be obedient and leave the results in his hands. See, sometimes we think we need to make things happen but we need to allow God to do his work. The Holy Spirit's work is to convict the world in regards to sin and righteousness, to tell about Jesus. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.